Welcome to the Foreigners and Fathers podcast, where two nerdy parents take on the quest of parenthood. This is a podcast where we will share and compare experiences when it comes to life as immigrants, new parents, and some other things in between. Welcome to episode 3, on the quest for integration. Hello! So, thank you so much for uh, joining us back on another episode. Just as a short recap of last time, we were discussing how to basically arrived here and what we did on our, our first tasks you should say on the on the quest for arrival and today we're going to talk about the integration into the country so how do you start mendling in with society so i think a good point of start is about getting a job how did you manage to do that mate thanks bruno um getting a job oh, wow what a what a interesting topic so getting a job was um an experience that i considered i wasn't really prepared for in a way so uh, i think we mentioned this last time but what happens is that when you come into a country and you don't really know how things are done in that country it can be quite hard to get that uh, to to you know to to integrate and to understand the cultural differences so um we've talked a little bit about before in terms of you know, adding your picture to the CV, which, for example, I didn't know that it was kind of a no-no here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so what I did was uh, the following. So I got here and I had to uh, find a job, right? So my first expectations was I wanted to get an office job because I had an office job in Portugal. So why shouldn't I be able to get uh, an office job here? And what I didn't really understand is that you it, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you kind of have to take a step back so that you can then take a step forward. Um, so what I did is I started looking for office jobs. I did get one interview uh, for a company called Kimberly Clark in Brighton. Uh, oh. I did get one interview, uh, but alas, I was... I didn't know that Kimberly Clark had an office in Brighton. Had, have... Either way, um, at least I had an interview with them, or I was being scammed. But if I was being scammed, I wasn't paying any money, so that was fine. I don't. It was a very like believable scammer. Yeah, believable scammer, exactly. I, or maybe I was so bad at the interview that they didn't even feel like they could scam me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so what happened? So Kimberly Clark, I had an interview with them. I clearly didn't get it, obviously. Um, and uh, looking back, I can only imagine how poor I must have done because I, had, I really had no idea. I think I had that interview about two weeks after I was uh, leaving here. And uh, I really, you know, I was still very much in my old ways. Um, so, yeah, I had to... There came a point where, you know, I was spending money and I wasn't getting any money. And I knew that I needed to get money. So I, I was like, you know what, if... If nothing else, you can always rely on old McDonald's to um, to get you a job. So I went to McDonald's and I actually worked in McDonald's. I got myself a minimum really? wage job. Yeah, I did. It's incredible. But yeah, I did it. It's so incredible looking back and thinking that I did it. But yeah, I got myself a, a, a minimum wage job paying six nineteen an hour, um, um, which at the time... Well, minimum wage job, isn't it? It's it's, not, it's never great. But yeah, I got myself a minimum wage job uh, working at McDonald's. And I didn't really know what I was interviewing for. I didn't really know what I was expecting. I just kind of, you know, submitted my application on the website. And I went there. I didn't even know what I... As I said, I didn't even know what I was going to do. And I got there and they were like, oh, you know, you'll be behind sleeping burgers. 
and that's what I did <laughs> for about two weeks. And then but you have the net hair and, and everything. I did. You know what? I really did. I mean, head, hair net, not net hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, both maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I did. I um, I had all of that, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Bruno. It's um, um, when I when I when I think about McDonald's and when I think about that job, it gave me two very interesting perspectives, at least from my end. So on the one hand, on the one hand, I have nothing but good things to say about McDonald's in the sense that I really feel safe about eating at McDonald's in the sense that they, you know, their hygiene, they really place a lot of importance on that. They were really strict with it. Um, and I really felt like they placed a very high security on the food. So, you know what? Kudos to them. Uh, on the other hand, I gave up after two weeks because my soul was basically leaving my body and I felt completely destroyed because yeah, I... There was a piece of you in every fry. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It was uh, my... Not literally. Like... Well, I mean, no, no, <laughs> not literally, but a piece of my soul or something like like that it's uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. leaving me it was like my personal horcrux or something um so <laughs> so i worked there and i felt utterly destroyed after two weeks and i just i just couldn't do it just couldn't do it um so i was there for about two weeks but before we go before we continue with my story um i just wanted to to ask so how you know how how was it for you did you did you have to work at mcdonald's or something similar how was your experience uh, well, it's funny that you ask, because I technically, not exactly McDonald's, but I tried and I failed. Uh, so I arrived to, as per the last episode, I arrived in the hostel. Oh, yeah. And, it yeah, awesome. so obviously I was like, okay, I need to get a job, like, fast. Because also it, it was one of those occasions in which I couldn't go back. I know I keep stressing it, but it was really a situation of either you sink or you swim. You know what? Mm. You keep saying that. Did you owe people money back in Mexico? Did they, were they going to chop no, you it up? Was more <laughs> of a, it was more of a situation of there's no money for you to go back. I already missed my return flight and I didn't have money to buy another one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> like, I literally couldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go yeah, on. yeah. So <laughs> I think we're, we're past the time in which I could sneak in a boat and just... <laughs> travel transatlantically. I, I think we're a little bit ahead of the times now. That that's not a possibility anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so enough. I was literally thinking like, okay, I need to get something. So I arrived and I was what I was doing is, I was at night because I don't know why I didn't do it at day for some weird reason. But at night I would get out of the hostel and just walk around with a folder full of CVs and pass through restaurants and McDonald's and Kentucky's and whatever it could be and be like, hi, you're looking for a, uh, an employee? No, well, here's a CV anyway. And I kept doing that. And actually, I'm not gonna name them because I don't wanna, ah, no, screw it. So I went to Oaxaca, and which is a, a Mexican restaurant or well, quote unquote, Mexican restaurant. And I was like, <laughs> oh, perfect, Mexican restaurant. I'm from Mexico. You should hire me just by that alone. And they were having a sign like, we look for staff. So I came in, I was like, hey, I want to speak with your manager about the job. They brought someone, I was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Just leave us a CV and then we'll call you back. And I'm like, excellent. Leave us a CV, never heard back, like at all. I was like, what, really? Like, and someone then told me, well, I mean, maybe it's because you was overqualified. And I, I, I don't know if that's true or they were just like saying it so that I wouldn't feel bad. But it really did tick me off that I was like, come on, you have an authentic Mexican guy here and you're not like taking the chance. And then someone else said, well, maybe it's because you are Mexican and you will be like, wait, this is not authentic. This is not authentic. That is definitely not Mexican. 
and they didn't want to risk you like blowing their cover so who knows also quick uh, yeah quick uh, addendum possibly they didn't call me because i didn't have a phone <laughs> i was just relying on them sending me an email oh my god Actually, really <laughs> yeah 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 no man, i was unprepared to say the least like i <laughs> So obviously that wasn't working. So I came back and I had my trusty laptop slash tablet, which is a la uh, it was a tablet that you could stick a keyboard to it. And they sold so they sold it as a laptop, but it wasn't. It was a tablet. Uh, so I went on Indeed to look for jobs, and I was like, okay, so what I was uh, doing in Mexico, call centers. Well, screw it. Let's do it again. That's what I've been doing all my life. Let's keep doing it. So I I sent a CV to the first one I found. And they sent me an email back like two days later, like we're really excited for you, for you to, to apply. We just need to do a, a phone interview first before you can come to the interview. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's a no can do. I don't have a phone. <laughs> and they're sort of like, oh, well, then then sorry, you cannot do it. I'm like, wait, 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 no, just, just give me a minute. So I actually went around on the hostel for, remember I tell you there were people that were actually living in the hostel. I, I had some quote-unquote mates at the time so i was like yo i need you to lend me your phone foo like it's just for like half an hour and they're like yeah sure so i i send another email i got a phone from like 4 a.m to 5 i mean for 4 p.m to 5 p.m tomorrow does that work and they're like yeah sure that works so i got my phone call basically it was just to tell me the address and what i need to bring to the proper interview and they couldn't but do yeah, that over email prepared i was man sorry and they couldn't do that over email I bureaucracy man I have no idea but yeah that that's literally how unprepared I was I was like yeah just give me a call but oh but don't do it actually just send me an email because I don't have a phone so yeah but I actually managed to land a job like that incredibly enough was it with that company and, uh, yeah it was with that um, it was my first job here in the the UK was with that company and I was like I nailed the interview, which I in I have to say it's for my experience working for for my previous employer. They really nailed me how to do for entry level interviews. So that sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I did the the interview and I nailed it and I got the role. And then when I was there, I was like, okay, let's see how it works. It was the same. It's like it was the exact same thing. It's the same call center. But instead of being in Mexico, it wasn't the, in the UK. I, I don't know why I thought it was going to be different, but but I was pleasantly surprised to find out that it's just the same, but with British people instead of deported Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. <clears throat> uh, it's funny that you mentioned about the uh, overqualifications uh, because I do have an interesting story about that, still related to the job. But um, so I, I was telling you that I got that job and I worked at McDonald's, right? <clears throat> but yeah. then uh, uh, so so then I worked there two weeks and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't, just couldn't. So what I ended up doing instead is I continued looking for a job. I wasn't looking again for office jobs or anything like that, but I was looking for something else. And I remember going to uh, Churchill Square, the uh, shopping center in Brighton. And uh, uh, it was this was close to Christmas, and there was this company that they were going to open a pop-up shop about puzzles. Um, their mm. name was Jigsaw Gallery. I cannot find them anymore online, uh, so I don't know if they closed, if they changed names, whatever it might be. But what it was, it was just a pop-up shop just for the month of December, and they were going to uh, just sell puzzles, exclusively puzzles. 
that was it. That was it. 13 pop a puzzle mm. or something like that. And um, yeah, that's what I had to do. So I worked there. And during that entire month of, Sept of December, rather, uh, I worked every single day except Christmas Day. All like every single day about like eight or nine hours for the entirety of the, uh, the shopping center opening hours. <coughs> Um, so I worked a lot, uh, I earned a decent amount of money, uh, but unfortunately it was just a pop-up shop for Christmas. So after Christmas I was without a job again. So um, time went on and uh, going back to the story that I told you was related to what you said, sorry, but I am getting there. Yeah, good, I, I am was getting like, wait, 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 I think we're no, lost no, no, here. No, 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 you haven't lost me. This is all to say, because I didn't want to go straight to the next point, and the next point is that I became really desperate, right? And when I became really desperate, what did I have to do again? I was like, I'm really desperate, I need money, I don't have money, it's running out, it's, it's either go back to, to Portugal, or I need to find something, and I was like, I don't want to find something else, so I'm going to McDonald's again. <clears throat> so oh. I know, I know, I know. What a twist! Um, <laughs> so I I went to McDonald's and I sent these uh, uh, I sent these uh, my CV and everything, and I went to the McDonald's in the Brighton Marina, and I met with his manager there, and his manager this manager looked at my CV and he was like, he was foreign as well, uh, funnily enough, mm. but he looked at my CV and he said, look, Pedro, I you know what, I can give you a job. I, I can, it's, it's not a problem. I can give you a job, but have you tried applying for other places? Other, like, offices, like Amex here, or, or any of the offices that we have here in Brighton? Because there's a lot of people working in those offices, and you're way too, too qualified to, to work here. So why don't you try those offices first? And you know what, I felt really hopeful. I felt really hopeful because he was, you know, I had someone finally giving me uh, a hand in the back and going credit. like credit and but no, no, it wasn't about credit it was someone going like you should try to find something better for yourself instead of coming to mcdonald's which i yeah, appreciate so recognition is what i mean by when yeah. i say credit yeah so yeah recognition, recognition. validation of your in standing a way. of where you were so far validation exactly in a way so yeah, so i i i was like yeah that's great uh, i'm gonna do it um and i'm going to search for it so i went back and i started looking for office jobs again and nothing nothing couldn't get it <laughs> couldn't get it don't know why i updated my cvs i got it better i never heard back to do, go for an interview i never really got anywhere really and uh, um i went again for the third time third time bruno i went back to mcdonald's in the marina Met with that manager. Wow. I know, I know, I know. Crazy. Met with that manager and I said, I'm really, really sorry. Not sorry. That's not what I said. But I, I was just like, I know you told me that. But actually, I I cannot do it. I couldn't find a job. I need to have a job. I need to come here and I need to uh, to, um, to to get, to get some money. Uh, so can you give me the yeah. job that you told me that you could give me? And he was like, he kind of sighed and he was like, yeah, of course I can. Um, wow, so so you're a, a literal story of from rags to riches then? I, I guess so, I guess so, uh, in a way. Uh, <laughs> that awkward silence, like, wait, do, do I want to say I'm rich? No, no, rich? I'm not rich in any, in any <laughs> shape or form, but... Uh, but I think, no, no, I think, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it, 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 it was a bit of a struggle, definitely. I really started from the bottom in a way. So, so what I did is 
I so I was I was almost to the point of crying, right? Because I had just it was for me it was kind of giving up, and it was like I I can't really do anything better than this for me. It's like I've got all this experience and degrees and everything, and it's, I just couldn't do it. So um, I it was actually, and I'll talk about that in a second, and I'll let you uh, talk a bit more as well. I don't want to you know steal all the time, but I was going back and I was on my bike and I was getting home and I, I passed by this uh, Italian restaurant and on the door it said that they were looking for stuff and I was super tired, mm. super tired. I had come from uni, then I went to, to McDonald's in the marina, I, I cycled there, I cycled back, it was raining and I got there to the restaurant and I, I was like, oh, I'll come here tomorrow and um, uh, I'll come here tomorrow and submit my CV. But then I was like, you know what? I just went to McDonald's to basically beg for a job. I can't afford not to leave my CV here now. Exactly. So I'm just going to walk in all drenched, you know, wet and everything. And I gave my CV in that restaurant. Funnily enough, one of the people that managed the restaurant, like the proper business of the restaurant, uh, it was an Italian restaurant. The owner was from Italy and there was this other Italian guy there. And he was there at the time when I went in and he looked at my CV and uh, he thought it was really, really interesting. And he invited me for an interview the other day. Um, and I'll tell you a bit more about how that went. But that is the job that I got. Uh, so I didn't have to go back to McDonald's. I only just worked those first two weeks in McDonald's um, back when I arrived. And uh, But in a way, I'm thankful for them. On the one hand, because they, they actually placed a really good standards in terms of hygiene for their food. And on the second hand, because the manager that second place he actually took care of me in a way he, he vouched for me yeah 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 no that's really like amazing and i'm just thinking do you think it's inter like standard for people to think i need a job i'll go to the food industry because i'm just realized that that's what we both went into default when we arrived but i don't know why i did it's just i that's what i thought it was gonna get me my um, like a job easily was that the same for you or is there any other reason why you went into the food industry because again for me it was just like okay i need a job what is the the first thing i could apply to and i were like restaurants and food industry uh, i did have a, a job as a waiter in a cafe in mexico so maybe that's why my my head defaulted into that but i don't know if it's a societal thing that people think that waiter is like a good entry uh, job what 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 did you go into the food industry I, I think i think it's kind of what you were saying just in the end there i think it's just like people just kind of assume it and it's assumed by everyone because I, in fact i had quite a different experience from you because i had never been a waiter i had never worked in a restaurant before and um and that wasn't my first thought in terms of going to a restaurant i actually started applying for office jobs i just didn't get office jobs i think the easiest answer is because it's easier it's easier to find a job yeah. in a restaurant because it's a high turnover. Oh, well that's that's what we think but as your experience can say it's actually not that easy so maybe it's, it's something to look at you know people think oh yeah waiter 
It's I'll just pop in and I'll be yeah. a waiter tomorrow, but it's not that easy. No, no, I, I, I suppose not. I suppose not. But anyway, so with, with the job, I don't want to go into a lot of details. I'm sure that in, you know, in future episodes I'll talk more about how it was because I stayed. So I got job in that restaurant, but I didn't get it because I was working in the restaurant. I actually started working as a manager of the restaurant because the oh wow yeah the, that's the that's the position that they were interviewing for. They were interviewing for restaurant manager. And the guy that was there, you know, um, I really have to be very thankful for him because he saw my CV and he saw my potential. And he was like, this guy is not going to come to a restaurant to work just like in the kitchen or something. I want him managing. I want his experience managing. So that's how I started. I started as a manager of the restaurant. I still had to do the kitchen. I still had to do a lot of that stuff because I had to learn. But they, he actually got me because of my of my potential as a manager um, that he didn't have uh, in, in other people like uh, from from other places and stuff. So um, so yeah, that's how I got it, and I stayed in that place working from 2013, from the beginning of 2013 to 2016, uh, when then I moved to my current job. So I still stayed there for like three and a half years. Um, I would say mm. three and a half years. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was my journey in terms of uh, finding my first job and everything. And uh, uh, and yeah. So. Well, um, I already, yeah, I already said pretty much mine because again, it was very quick. It was just I applied for a bunch of restaurants and fat food chains. I didn't get it. I applied for a call center. Bing bomb, got it. <laughs> but I, yeah. But I just wanted to say that, for example, what we were saying last episode of the picture. Oh, yeah. Because it appears that you learned a lot of by trial and error. So it seems that our experiences are pretty mixed. Because, again, you had a little bit more of, of preparation coming in. And you had a plan of studying. And you had, like, your your idea wasn't like, well, if I fail, I, I'll become a, a, a hobo. It was more like, okay, I can always, like, have my family back me up so yeah. I can come back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And for me, I mean, even though I will always have my family backing up, it was more of a, well, like, pull yourself by your bootstraps because it's not coming back and you actually have to bring your family here. But on the other side, you were just applying all fiddly And I did was like, okay, so let me look online. How do I prepare a CV in the UK? So I did know about the picture before submitting my CV uh, to that call center. Like at night, I was like, okay, let me go in the trusty internet and search templates for CVs in the UK. Yeah. And they were, for example, put your strengths at the beginning of the CV. Because in Mexico, usually the strengths go at the end. You start with your work experience because that's the most relevant information. And you do sure, put sure. pictures, for example. So, so I, I just find it curious that we kind of were the opposites on all senses. Like, I, I did do some research to prepare my CV, you didn't, but I came here all like, well, I'm here, and you did have a little bit more preparation, you planned it, you came with your partner. So it, it's funny how it zigzags like that. And yeah, regarding definitely. the, so that's, now that we're talking integration, that's, that's your, our job experience. But how did you find accommodation? Like, how did you... Obviously, you already talked about your experience and the assumed job of one of the, the persons there. Uh, but how did you start delving into more permanent accommodations, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> permanent accommodations. It's 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 funny, isn't it? So I was living I was living in that place where I was uh, renting a room, the double room, and I was uh, with my uh, girlfriend. And um, by the way, I keep saying I, th I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I keep saying my girlfriend at the time because we're now married. But uh, it's not like she's my ex girlfriend or anything like that. So I just wanted to clarify that because I I, I wanted him to clarify it because I knew what you were talking about, but I was also thinking. People are gonna think that he was like switching parties. Yeah, no, 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 exactly, exactly. So she was my girlfriend at the time because now we're married, so she's my wife now. So that's the reason why. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, she's no longer your girlfriend because she's your wife. Yeah, exactly. I guess technically speaking, she is my ex-girlfriend, isn't it? Because she's now my wife. So yeah, maybe. actually, uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, yeah. If we're going to semantics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we were renting the double room. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was just a little, she was a little bit strange. Uh, we were definitely paying too much to be in that room. And, you know, for less than that, we could get a, a studio in, in the center of Brighton. So we were paying 600 for a shared house. We didn't really get, have the chance to, to, to enjoy the house that much. And we were far away from Brighton. We were in Southwick. So it took us a long time and everything. Um, so what we uh, ended up doing is we looked for a job and uh, not for a job. What am I saying? For a studio, and we mm. um, and we found a studio in Brighton for five hundred pounds. Uh, it was a little, uh, a small, small little studio. Um, it was cozy for us. Like it was, it, it, it was terrible. Right? It was terrible. It was just like a studio on a converted Victorian uh, block of flats, as they often are. But looking back, I feel really nostalgic because it was our proper first place living together. And yeah, only... it's a startup home. Exactly. And we had only been together for two years, which, you know, is a long time. But uh, it was like living together, just the two of us. And I still remember, you know, having everything in the same place. And we didn't even have a bed. Uh, we had, uh, we had uh, just like a, a, a sofa beds that we bought in a second hand. And we were living like that. And our decoration was uh, something from my days working in that puzzle shop. Uh, they let me keep a few half-cut puzzles. So half-cut puzzles are puzzles that are cut only halfway through. So they're for display purposes. So what happens is that they look like a puzzle in the front, but they're not actually cut all the way through. So in the back, they're all one piece. So we use that as yeah. decoration on the walls because they were nice puzzles of nice pictures and stuff. Um, and you could say, look at the fossil I built, even though you didn't. You that's what people eat. assume. That's what people assume. There's a funny side story to that, which is that people actually offered me puzzles for like two or, or, or three Christmases because they thought I was really into it. <laughs> um, but I wasn't. I was just using it as decoration. I actually, I am not that into puzzles, actually. Um, but, it, you know, it was a very humble puzzle, but it was nice. You know, 500 pounds in, in the center of... Brighton or rather did you, Hove actually sorry did you just say it was a very humble puzzle did I yes yeah in, instead place. of saying it's a very humble place, place. you said puzzle yeah yeah mate I gotta get you a puzzle for next Christmas please do not please do not get me a puzzle for, <laughs> for Christmas um, or, uh, no no definitely if not. whoever said a P.O. box you're gonna get tons of puzzles mate <laughs> yeah exactly um, so that's how we got the interesting thing is that uh, at the time um my uh, uh, my girlfriend she wasn't 
um, she wasn't working with a contract or anything. You know how these things are when you when you get here. And they still gave us the uh, the place, and we didn't even have to pay six months in advance or anything. So they were less, way less strict at the time. I don't know exactly why, but uh, they were way less strict. Um, so so yeah, that's that's how we got there. Um, but I, I'm curious to know how you found your first place, uh, other than that experience in spare room living that with those people for a month or so i'm curious to, to hear how you found your first place well it's it's funny that you mentioned it because i think it's also worth um, like saying that at this point i have never lived on my own i always lived with my family so it wasn't until i moved here that it was my first time living on my own so after that experience with the first spare uh, room i was in which, by the way, I just want to expand a little bit. I remember when I went for the, the interview to set it up, which at this point, I don't know if it's normal or not, but I was asking for them. and like, I want to know who I'm going to live before living with them. I think that's so way normal. Like, yeah, that's very normal, isn't it? <laughs> okay, good. So I was like, yeah, no, I, I would like to go and see the house and meet you and see what, what you're into and stuff. And yeah, for sure. Make sure you're not like a serial killer or stuff like that. But I remember they were like, well, so this place is really nice. It's a little bit far from town and it's in Old Shoreham Road. So I was like, really? This is far from town? Like, it's like, I, I don't know, half an hour on the bus. Like, that is short for Mexican distances. Like, there's people that, yeah, for real. There's people that live like two hours away from their office without traffic. If you count traffic, it's like four hours. Yeah. So for me, everyone was like, oh, it's so far away. I'm like, is it? And, but then I remember that the country is so tiny that I, that's why it's, it, it just shows that everything is relative. Because I it really, I was impressed how everyone was saying like, oh, it's so far away. But now, after living here for this amount of time, now I'm part of those people. I'm like, oh, it's so far away. <laughs> and I remember when I've lived in Mexico that I used to cycle that on a daily basis. I'm like, oh, is it that far away? But I, I became integrated, I guess you could say. Can I can yeah, I just so say something on that? It's yeah. It's it's funny that you um, uh, that you are saying that because I have the same feeling, but between the UK and Portugal. So in Portugal, like my parents need to go to like Lisbon. They they uh, they uh, live in Sintra. They they need to go to Lisbon, right? And they take the car, and the car journey is like twenty five to thirty minutes, and they go like, "Oh, it's so far away." And I'm go like, "Really? Is it? <laughs> it's, it's not really." <laughs> and to travel from like Lisbon to the south of Portugal is like three hours, and people go like, "Oh, it's so long, three hours to get from Lisbon to the south of Portugal to the Algarve." And uh, I'm living here, and I'm go like, "It's it's really not." that long like it's, it's yeah, just a it's normal not. trip it's just a normal trip like it's it's definitely not long i guess it's it's really about the size of the country isn't it it, it changes your perspective but yeah i just yeah, thought exactly. it was funny because i have the same feeling but from the uk to portugal so yeah <laughs> yeah and opposite again we go into the fact that we've been opposites all this time yeah, yeah in mexico yeah. there's people that they lived in puerto vallarta which is the town i lived and then they want to go shopping to Guadalajara, which is the nearest biggest city. Yeah. Uh, so they go on a Saturday. They have to drive eight hours. So they drive eight hours, they spend the day shopping, and then they drive eight hours back. Madness. Eight to six hours, depending how, how mad you are at driving. And that's normal, mate. It's like, oh, you want to go? Yeah, sure, let's go. Let's pop in a car for six hours and then six hours. So 12 hours driving just to go shopping in a Jeez, nice nah. store. 
No way, no way. But uh, but you were saying about about the first place that you go. So you have never lived there. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry, got distracted. So no, I got no, that that's place, right. did the interview. They were like, yeah, it's so far away. I'm like, is it? No, no, it's not. But it's, it's funny because public transport here was or is something that it's uh, conflicting. I could, oh. I guess it's the way to say it because it's amazing. The buses, I was so in shock of how clean they are, how well preserved they are. Some buses even had like a seatbelt, a security seatbelt. And I was like, what the hell? In a bus? In Mexico, <laughs> there's some buses, and I'm not exaggerating. There are some buses that the floor is just a tin floor and there's holes. Like you can see the street. I know it sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds like it, it's a ranchack place. It's not, but there are some buses in some little towns that are very bad so for me the public transport here was like amazing this is great like it's so clean is the the typical two uh, like double decker bus which for me was also like this is so cool but <laughs> it's like one bus every 15 minutes it's so inconvenient if for whatever reason you miss your bus you have to wait at least 10 minutes to get another one in Mexico, I'm used to a bus passing every five, ten minutes. Sometimes they pass two in a row and they like go racing each other because they want to be the next one to the bus stop. So it's super <laughs> fast. So I guess you give some uh, stuff to get some stuff. And believe me, I like public transport here way better. But I, I do think it's less efficient than back in Mexico. Yeah. Back and... in Mexico, you could get a bus around the corner and like it was faster. And it's super expensive here as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, that that's also true. It's 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 outrageous. It's I, I mean the fact that there's it's cheaper to fly somewhere than to go the same distance by train. It's baffling. Yeah, it's it's madness, isn't it? It's it's, it's absolutely mad. Um, but but something that you guys have, which again, you is, guys. It, uh, well, here, guys, sorry. It's just because you got here before me, so I completely... I go into that mode of me versus... Although, maybe it's you guys, because I don't know how it's in Portugal. Oh, no, let's in not, Portugal, let's do not you talk pay about toll, Portugal. Do you pay tolls on the highway? Because in Mexico, there's two highways. The free highway and the toll highway. And the free highway is free, but it's in a very bad state. The toll highway is pristine, but it's really expensive because there's a toll booth every so often. Is that something that happens in Portugal? I would like to say that it's not. I would like to say that it's like the UK where there's barely any uh, tolls. But no, in uh, Portugal it's very similar to um, to Mexico in that sense. Um, I think the, the difference is that... Uh, I guess the public ones aren't that bad. It's in Portugal. The difference is there is a bit of difference in quality, but I think it's more about the difference in speed. So it's the 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 paid ones, the tall ones are just more accessible for everyone, and it just takes longer, a lot longer if you don't use the uh, the tall ones. It's not so mm. much about the quality; it's more about that. Well, in Mexico, it's the quality, but not also the quality of the road itself, which it is a factor, but not as determining to go like which one do i go but it is for example the free ones go around the mountains so they're very curvy and ups and downs and the tall ones they just tunnel through so it's way faster to go just through the mountain literally speaking but anyways i'm digressing so i did the interview after that uh job i mean sorry job uh living thing i don't know why but i decided to give spare room another try <laughs> i guess it's because i didn't have enough experience with yeah 
yeah. letting agencies, you know? I was like, I don't know how agencies work. I feel nervous dealing with all this. Like, you need to give them three payslips and your, like, ID. And a spare room is just you go, you meet the person, you speak with them, that's it, done. So I did a full bunch of interviews again, but I was way more picky this time. I remember right. a funny experience because I went to one guy and he was amazing. I was like, this is the place. He was a, an older gentleman. This is like amazing. He lets me use the kitchen. He seems very nice. He is very cultured. We have a lot of like stuff to talk about. So even if we do run into each other in the living room, every once in a while, it's not going to be awkward. And then he says, so yeah, have you ever been interested in the Church of the... Uh, Jesus Christ Letter, uh, Letter Day Saints, or whatever it's pronounced. Sorry, I do apologize. I don't mean to offend anyone, but I don't know the name. But basically, he just tried he tried to convert me into Mormonism. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm out. Ah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, exactly. Well, then again, he was nice, so... so I yeah, mean, no, that's he was why... nice, but it was very funny, because I was like, yes, this is the place. And if you know me, you know I'm not religious. And they were like, so, yeah, are you interested in going to church on Sunday? And I'm like, okay, bye... Yeah, yeah no, that, I guess that wouldn't have worked. I guess I guess the question there is that if he's if he's bold enough to mention it on the interview, he would definitely mention it while you were leaving there. Exactly. I was like, oh no, I'm gonna try to put some like anime and stuff, and he's gonna like come into my room with a bucket of holy water and toss it in my bed. Nah. So no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not here for this. So, uh, but eventually I landed in another place. It was really nice. I got along with the landlady. She minded her business, I minded mine. My family even came from Mexico to visit, and they said it was a nice place. And then, funny enough, I... So while I was here, jumping to a different subject, I started to try to find out what to do, no? How do I get integrated with my friends and stuff? Because a lot of my friends from the call center, they were youngish, in comparison to me, they were 20 years old. So there were, I guess the way I can describe it is, real life skins they went clubbing they did drugs I, like when i saw skins in mexico i was like oh this is a funny series when i came here i was like oh this is reality so, <laughs> yeah this is yeah. a slice of life yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so it's not that wasn't for me really like I, i'm an introvert i'm a nerd i like doing it because i'm very chameleonic and i'm good at masking because of my adhd but it wasn't just my thing so i was like okay what other things can i do and I thought, well, maybe you guys have renaissance fairs here, because in Mexico there aren't any. And there weren't, but I found out that there's a page, which I haven't used in ages, but it's called Meetup. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, I've heard of it. And yeah, so I thought, oh, I'm going to look for people that play D&D now. And I met a, a D&D group, and I met my my partner there, actually. How so long, how long ago was this? Um, oh, snap. Like... Oh yeah, you're not now? good with dates, isn't it? Every time I ask no, you for I'm a date, every time yeah, I ask no. you for a date or a length of time, you just go like, uh, panic mode. Uh, last week? <laughs> yeah, no, but it was like around five and something years because I remember I spent my thirtieth birthday playing D and D, and I'm thirty-five. So there you go. Yeah, it was like thirty-five go. something years. There you go. And funny enough, after a while, I was like, you know what? I want another place. And this girl seems pretty nice, and she needs to get out too. So I offered, do you want to be roommates? And she was like, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. So we actually went through a building agency and we did the whole thing proper. And then I realized, hmm, I kind of have a crush on this girl. I don't know if it's fair 
for her to be my roommate without knowing that I actually am into her. And then we became partners, so that's fine. It ended up well. But yeah, that, that was our first experience with a bill, uh, not a billing agency, a letting agency. And actually, I remember that at, at, by that point, I was already, I guess, more, again, integrated because they were trying to charge us for something. And I immediately got like, no, 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 you first told us there was no extra fees. We already paid. What so I got into more like comfortable to be able to negotiate stuff, oh, like that, which you. is the reason why you. I didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the reason why I did do it at the beginning. I'm like, I'm a foreign here. I'm new. I don't know where to stand. And at that point, I was like, nah, 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 that's, that's not cool, bro. You, you didn't say that, so I felt more comfortable. And I guess that's how you know that you are home now, when you are able to stand your ground and say you're less meek about stuff. You know, you feel like you feel at, at ease where you are. You don't feel like you need to be docking or on your guard or it, you just feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, uh, it's interesting. It, it, it's, it's good that you felt uh, comfortable to do that, and you know, you can really see the confidence that you gain after being here for a while. Look at you, you know, um, telling them to uh, to sort off and and basically, you know, not taking it. That's really good. That is really good. Um, for me, obviously, you know, I came here and. Um, I, I came here to study and I mm -hmm. was doing um, uh, my degree in the University of Sussex and it was nice. Um, I like doing my degree. I enjoyed doing my degree. I don't, you know, I always say that I don't regret it because I don't. But every time I say I don't regret it, it kind of feels like I'm saying I did regret it, but I didn't. But I, I, what I say is that it just wasn't what I expected. Um, so um, I was, you know, I did it in global political economy, uh, which sounds a lot fancier than it actually was. Um, but I was more interested in... So, so, so to give you a bit of background, so I did my degree back in international relations and I thought um, that I wanted to do it because I wanted to go into diplomacy and I wanted to become an ambassador or I wanted to, you know, work for the government, but just for the foreign relations, um, not for the internal politics of a country, but to represent my country. You know, I like that idea of representing country, helping people in other countries, using, using those skills. But what I soon realized back in Portugal was that if I wanted to get into uh, that kind of field, if I wanted to work in an embassy or something like that, I had to get into politics. I, I just, you know, I just, just wasn't a way around it. I remember thinking about the uh, the career, the the contests to uh, not contests, it's not contests, but like they, they have these these uh, 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 interview processes to uh, go into the uh, diplomatic career and I remember like being there and it was like it was about who you knew and it was about uh, uh, who could get you into the right places not so much about your abilities and uh, mm. anyway the point is I wanted to do global political economy because I wanted to do that same thing but instead of doing it for a government i wanted to do it for a company but i wanted to do it private because 
I felt like doing it private, I wouldn't have to do as much of the politics. So uh, that's what I wanted to do. So I thought the course was going to be, the degree was going to be about, uh, you know, how the companies relate to each other internationally and how, you know, how you could, um, you know, how, how one country has interests in another country and all the, the different things that you need to know about, for example, the regulations and how, you know, how you go about it, etc. And at the end, I got there and it was basically a social course that spent the entire time going um, you know um, that spent the entire time going like their labor relations uh, between countries and um, and uh, you know uh, a lot of ideology uh, behind it and I wasn't really you know ideology it was fine and I liked learning about some of the ideologies that I did learn about and the labor relations between countries and everything and it was good it was fine but it wasn't really what I was looking for uh, I wanted something mm -hmm. a bit, bit more practical a bit, something that I could actually leave university and start doing yeah, 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 yeah whereas yeah. it was very theoretical it was very much about the theory of it um, it was nice I don't regret doing it it served me well but I wouldn't do it again, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I was getting integrated here. I didn't really yeah, get along. Does. Yeah, and I didn't really get along with the people at my university either because they were there for the theoretical part and they had they were very academic and everything. It wasn't really the kind of people that you could just uh, hang out with that much. Not for me, at least. I mean, I, I did go out with them a few times, etc., but uh, not that much. Uh, so I, I started... Just like you, finding uh, things to do, and this is where I tapped into my uh, nerdy side. So I there was this uh, railway club in Brighton. Not sure if it's there anymore or not, uh, but I, I can't even remember how I found out about them. Uh, but they did like a meetup about D and D as well, and they did a meetup about uh, board games. Um, so I started going uh, with my girlfriend to the board game club. I started going on my own to the D&D &D club and started doing that. So for a little while, um, it was funny because, well, not funny, but I didn't even have money. And to go there, you needed to pay a fee to the railway club. And I didn't really have a fee. So I just kind of like w marched in there with confidence as if I had paid the fee. And never no one ever <laughs> really questioned me, to be honest. Look at you swindling the, yeah. the railway club. But it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because I just couldn't afford it. But I still no, wanted to I, play I it. No, I totally understand. <laughs> I completely get it. Like, my first few months, my entertainment was going for a Starbucks. Literally buying one Starbucks in the morning and staying all day in the cafe with my crappy tablet and a notebook just drawing stuff. Because I didn't have any money. So I was just going to be like, well, I'm going to be here in this cafe just drawing. And some people look at me weird. Some people look at me like, oh, nice drawing but yeah no i completely understand what you mean about not having money for any hobbies <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sadly hobbies cost <laughs> i um yeah precisely and uh, it, it can be quite hard and you do want to socialize and you know i didn't really stay friends with any of those people but it was good to start getting Same. the hang of the uh, english language and it was well wait Hang on a minute. You said same, but I thought are you st you're still with the same partner, aren't you? With yeah, no, with the D and D crew. Once I went oh, to my, like, right. the second half, yes. But remember, I mentioned about my skin-like friends from work. Oh right, like, I right, still right, have right. them on Facebook, and I remember we even went to London and saw the Book of Mormon. So we we did get it wrong really well, but our lifestyle is just 
too different. So oh, we, right, we're right, just right. like Facebook friends now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Um, but I was saying the... Um, uh, what was I saying? Uh, so yeah, I remember like the kind of hobbies it was going to railway club. I had an old Nintendo DS that I had from Portugal. I was playing my Pokemon games. And one of my first investments, and I felt so bad at the time just spending like... I think it was like... 25 pounds or something because I purchased the Game of Thrones books where I had just started watching the first series and you know reap to the eighth series uh, to the eighth season um, but at the time it was really, really uh, exciting so I read all of the books and um, yeah I got myself a PS3 secondhand played a few different games like Final Fantasy X which has always been a personal favorite of mine um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of what I did. I started meeting with more people, started hanging out with people at work, with people outside, and I actually my big break in terms of connections here was when I found a different board game club and I started going to that one and I started meeting really interesting people that were into board games um, and uh, I am still friends with most of them to this day nice and uh, uh, yeah that was about six seven years ago and uh, yeah I've got really uh, along with them and it's been really really good good it's funny when you mentioned your first investment because i remember my first big investment was a gaming laptop which funny enough is the one your wife has i remember seeing it like hey i had that laptop so that was my first big investment a gaming computer huh. so yeah but I guess to wrap it up, what is it for you that you said, okay, I'm integrated now? When did you realize? I mean, obviously you don't wake up one day thinking, oh shit, I'm part of the country now. But what is it for you that makes you say, yes, this is my place now. This is where I belong. For me, it was when, what I was just saying, when I started having weekly board games and having British friends, not just sticking to my community, not just sticking to the people that I knew from work, but having people that are actually from here. And it's quite a big thing if you, if you live in another country and you have people that you know and that you are really good friends with and they are from that country, you feel really accepted and you feel like, you know, if, if if they're friends with me, it's not just because I speak the same language, it's not just because I come from the same place, it's actually because they like me as a person. And that's when I felt really integrated because I felt accepted. Um, you know, I had uh, uh, some local idioms, started understanding more about the English language. We'll talk more about that in the next episode, spoilers. Uh, but uh, things like knowing what knackered means, that I had no yeah. idea when I got here. And having, you know, having that slang, understanding it, um, that's when I started to feel integrated having you know it's the social connections for me is being accepted and that took me about two two and a half years so I got here in 2012 and I, I only feel like I was integrated in 2014 2016 roughly um, what about you what made it for you I think it's the same I, I gotta say it's the exact same thing like I felt comfortable going to the office and interacting with the people in the office I no longer felt like a stranger going there on on a secondment I guess it, it felt like yeah this is my job I felt I saw I got in the bus and I saw the same people I saw every day and yeah. I had friends like I, I, I have a routine and I had friends so that's for me that's when I would know I started feeling that this was my home. I, I saw the same things. I saw the same stores, saw the same people on the bus, had friends. I was no longer tired of hearing English, 
that that also is when I noticed that I I could read English, hear English every day, and ignore it. I remember when I first got here, I used to hear conversations on the train, and I even though I didn't want to, I pay attention to them because it was in English, which wasn't common for me on my day-to-day -day basis outside the office. Because I was always I always worked in the lingual call centers, but outside of the office, no one spoke English, so my brain was conditioned to pay attention when I was able to ignore it I it's when I, I I realized that it was normal for me and one thing also as a little teaser for next episode is when I learned how to pronounce D because at the big in Mexico in we don't say D we say V so I used to say something like dragon instead of dragon and people were like why do you have a swollen tongue all of the sudden but I'll, <laughs> I'll go more into detail for for the next one that but is yeah, a very those, subtle one yeah those are the the things that w when i think back that is when i started feeling like this was my home and obviously there's a second part of it because it's also once my family came over that was the last part that's like okay now we're all here like my clan is here that's it this is our place you know right 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 brilliant thank you thank you for that bruno and that um i think you know, uh, this is definitely one of my favorite topics because I, I feel really passionate about, you know, being integrated here and feeling accepted for who I am. I, I, I really feel like, especially now that some time has passed, I really feel like this is part of, you know, this is my home. I feel accepted by the people that I work with. And uh, so I'm really passionate about this. Uh, but we'll delve more into that um, uh, later on. Uh, for the time being, um, uh, just like last few times, you can uh, follow us on social media. Uh, basically, we'll try to be in as many as possible, so you can always follow us. We'll always be foreigners and fathers. Um, if you want to talk to us about uh, your experiences um, coming to the UK, immigrating to the UK, living here, any of the topics that we have mentioned before, um, you can write to us. I would love to tell you what the email is, but uh, I still don't know where which one we're actually going to land on. But once this episode is going live, it will be in the description of the episode. And you can write to us about your experiences. We would love to hear about how you felt, what it was like for you. And I promise you that we will get to, you know, We'll, I promise you that we will read it and we will get to you and we will mention it at some point and if you um, if you want to you can listen to the next episode right away the next episode as we've said is about the intrinsicacies of the English language and just saying it is a bit odd the intrinsicacies yeah exactly um, and there will also be some sources on some of the topics that we have talked about on the description. And uh, um, uh, Bruno here also uh, streams uh, regularly uh, on Twitch. Uh, I think it's at Mariachi Viking, isn't it? That's Bruno. correct. That's the one. Brilliant. So you can follow all of him there. Uh, you can uh, see him. You can listen to him. You can watch him play games. And uh, I'm sure that you will enjoy it as well. So uh, thank you very much for today, Bruno. No, thank you as always for the time of day, man. I, I found these conversations very, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but very therapeutic looking back into it and see what has been achieved, how difficult it was, sharing experiences with someone else, seeing how uh, other trips 
and by the mean that like other people experience can differ so much and be so similar at the same time and just in case you're wondering yes the title of the podcast is foreigners and fathers so don't worry we're just leading up to there it's not just gonna be <laughs> exactly. about the foreign experience this is just the background this is just leading up to it we'll get to being a father soon i promise <laughs> thank well, you again thank you so much man no worries i'll see you next time I'll see you bye. next time bye